Welcome to From God to Us, the podcast where we explore biblical subjects and attempt to answer questions about God, about the Bible, about people, about life, and even cultural issues with application for daily living. We are in our current series on the New Covenant. The New Covenant was promised in the Old Testament to God's people, and it was to be a new way of relating to God, not relating to God through the Old Covenant, the law and the sacrifices, but in the new way of relating to God through the Holy Spirit, through whom he would write his laws on our hearts. We looked at the issue of grace versus legalism, how we live by grace not by a a certain set of rules and regulations. We also looked at the new person that we are. We called it the new you, that through the Holy Spirit, we are a new creation in Christ. And now we have a way of relating to God through the Holy Spirit in a way we never had before, that mankind never had before. Today, we begin looking more specifically at the work of the Holy Spirit And in the next few sessions, specifically about what Jesus said about the work of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, when people do studies on the Holy Spirit or talk about the Holy Spirit, they don't start with what Jesus said. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come, and he gave several instructions about what the Holy Spirit came to do. And that's very important for us to understand the working of the Holy Spirit, is to understand what Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would do. As we begin today, we look at this issue of the Holy Spirit or spirituality. It's very interesting that in the world today, and even in America, there's a great interest in spirituality or things of a spiritual nature. There's a huge interest in this in various religions, or some people just call themselves spiritual people that have nothing to do with religion, but they're recognizing that there's something spiritual about us. We have a spiritual part of our being, and God himself is a spirit, and through the new covenant, we can relate to God through the spirit, although many people don't quite understand this. Just to give you an example of what the how the world sees this spirituality, in the website of Psychology Today, there's a section on spirituality. Let me quote you a portion of this. It says, spirituality means something different to everyone. For some, it's about participating in organized religion, going to church, synagogue, a mosque, etc. For others, it's more personal. Some people get in touch with their spiritual side through private prayer, yoga, meditation, quiet reflection, or even long walks. Research shows that even skeptics can't stifle that sense that there is something greater than the concrete world we see. As the brain processes sensory experiences, we naturally look for patterns and then seek out meaning in those patterns. And the phenomena known as cognitive dissonance shows that once we believe in something, we will try to explain away anything that conflicts with it. Humans can't help but ask big questions, and the instinct seems wired in our minds. So they're trying to explain this spirituality, this sense of of that there is something more than just the physical world in psychological terms, that people experience this spirituality in all kinds of ways, 
religion being only one of those, but that the brain, when it kind of plugs into this spiritual experience, then it's kind of locked into that. And, and so they're trying to explain it away, basically, as being something real, uh, something other than God himself. It's just a spiritual experience. There are plenty of other websites and magazines that deal with spirituality and health and spirituality and practice. There's even some of the most significant self-proclaimed gurus in the realm of human spirituality. The Dalai Lama, Deepak Chopra, and Eckhart Tolle. These, these men live their lives around this whole realm of spirituality, what it means to be spiritual, and giving their advice to others. There's a world of information and opinions about the human spiritual experience. And we want to focus on this experience in the realm of what the Bible teaches and who the Holy Spirit is. As we said, the new covenant is about the Holy Spirit coming to live within us. And so we're going to begin this part of the study with the words of Jesus that we find in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. The night before his crucifixion, Jesus was talking to his disciples, giving them some final instructions, and several places he talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit. In this passage in 14, beginning in verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and will show myself to him. In this passage, Jesus promises another counselor or comforter, some translations say. The word is the Greek word parakletos, and it means one who is called alongside to help, to counsel, or to encourage. So it speaks of a person who comes along the side of another person to help them. And so the Holy Spirit is the the counselor, the one who comes alongside to help us, to guide us, to instruct us, to encourage us. This is part of the work of the Holy Spirit. He's also called the Spirit of Truth. So the Holy Spirit speaks truth. By his very nature, he is truth. That's why one of the reasons the Holy Spirit we know is God, a member of the Trinity. He is by nature truth. And so everything he speaks and everything he does, he leads us and guides us in truth. He guides us into what is true. He is the spirit of truth. Unbelievers, people of this world, cannot know and cannot communicate with the Holy Spirit because Jesus said the world can't know him. The world, the the lost people, those who've never come into relationship with Jesus Christ. But he said, you can know him. He's with you and he will be in you. You know, there's a lot of interest today in what's called the paranormal. That's uh, some sort of moving of spirits and ghosts and things of that nature. Uh, There's all kind of TV shows on this now, paranormal. 
when we lived in Colorado, the area we lived in was called Black Forest, and there was a house there that was known to be haunted, so to speak. And there was this show about the paranormal that actually did a special session on this particular house, which was about a mile from where I lived. And I watched this show, not because I'm interested in the paranormal, but I kind of wanted to hear what they said about this house. And it was very interesting. They talked about these images that sometimes people would see and noises that would happen and things that would make. And, and of course, they elaborated on this a lot and, and tried to emphasize the fact that there were some sort of spirits living in this house. Now, I really don't know if any of that was true. Um, there may have been demonic activity or it may have just been people's imaginations. But it just emphasizes the fact that people are emphasized in all this paranormal stuff. Well, that's not truth. Paranormal or the ghost or spirits from the dead are demonic spirits. And there's a lot of the stuff that is not truth. The Holy Spirit doesn't lead us into things that are not true. He leads us into the truth. And there is a relationship between us and God that is just as real as any physical relationship. Um, so what does the Holy Spirit do and how can we know the work of the Holy Spirit? Well, with the new covenant came a change in the way that the Holy Spirit works. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people as God chose, but he also left. In the story of the Old Testament of the King Saul, it's very clear the Holy Spirit came upon him and he prophesied. But later the Spirit of God left him. In Psalm 51, David's prayer after his great sin of adultery and murder, he cried out to God and said, Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Because the Holy Spirit did sometimes leave people. He didn't remain with him permanently. Jesus said something very important to his disciples. He said, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. Speaking of the future, when the Holy Spirit would come, the Holy Spirit would come to dwell within us. He would come into our being and be there permanently. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we have this power to know and understand the will of God. And this was a change in the working of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't just with us. Now he came to dwell within us. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8. Paul here talks about the work of the Holy Spirit, how it's the Holy Spirit now that gives us the ultimate power to overcome sin. Verses 9 through 11 we read, You are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, for if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. So Paul says the Holy Spirit is in you. You are not in the flesh. Maybe a better translation rather than realm is you are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. Now, he didn't say we don't have a fleshly nature still or a sinful nature, but as a believer, someone who follows Christ, you are now in the spirit. You are not in the sin nature. You exist 
in a different realm of being in the Spirit. And that's what he's talking about. The Spirit is in you. You are in the Spirit, and the Spirit is in you. The example would be if you take a bucket and go out in the middle of a lake and submerge it into the lake, you could say the bucket is in the water and the water is in the bucket. Well, it's a similar type concept. We are in Christ and Christ is also in us or the Holy Spirit is also in us. This is the concept that Paul is teaching. The Holy Spirit now dwells within us. There's another very interesting passage that talks about what we have through the Spirit in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. There we read, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us the very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature and escape corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Here Peter says we participate in the divine nature. We have access to the divine nature. Now he didn't say we're not divine, we are not God, but we have this ability to participate in, to have access to God's very nature, because the Holy Spirit is God, and now he dwells within you. God gives us the ability to know him and to know what he thinks and what he believes. And this is all through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Another way maybe to think of the work of the Holy Spirit is to think of a balloon. If you have a balloon that has not been aired up, it's just this flat piece of rubbery material. But once you blow into it and breathe your air into it, the, the balloon stretches out. And that's what we think of when we think of a balloon. We don't think of the balloon as just the, the stretchy material that hasn't been aired up. It's not really considered a balloon until you put air into it. Well, we don't have life until God breathes his life into us, which is the Holy Spirit, and we become new beings in Christ because of this Holy Spirit that lives within us. We also find out that the Holy Spirit can bring things to our consciousness. Not only is he there to dwell within us and to be with us, but he's there to teach us and to instruct us. We find this also in John chapter 14, verse 25 and 26. Jesus says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. So the Holy Spirit is given here to uh, remind us of the truth of God. As we learn that truth, the Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance what we have learned about God, about truth, and about his word. Paul talks about this, about us having the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. There we read, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. 
That is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by spirit, expressing spiritual thoughts in spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord? that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. The Spirit is there to search us, to search our thoughts, and, and to bring God's thoughts into our mind. We can actually have the mind of Christ in a sense. Not that we become Christ, not that we are divine, but through the Holy Spirit we can have an understanding of the things of God. The Holy Spirit helps us to comprehend these things. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He brings things to our remembrance, and he helps us to understand the truth of who God is. You know, it's one thing to study about the Holy Spirit, which is part of what we're doing here. But it's another thing to experience that working of the Holy Spirit. And part of what we want to do as we go through this time is to learn how to make this work in our lives. So that it's not just some dry knowledge about truth, but there is this living Holy Spirit, this new life that's within us that changes us and makes us something different. We're already different by the fact that the Holy Spirit is, lives within us and we've been born again and we're new creations in Christ. But now we want to live in such a way that we live differently than what we did before we came to know Christ and before we came to receive the Holy Spirit. So how does kind of this work in our lives? I think there's a lot of misunderstanding even in the Christian community about the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of disagreement about the work of the Spirit. There are those who emphasize that the Spirit speaks to them and talks to them, and they spend very little time actually in the Bible itself emphasizing that all they need to know is what the Holy Spirit tells them, and they this is their relationship with God, and They'll say all types of things and sometimes things that may be unbiblical. There's those who focus, though, on what the Bible says and emphasize the truth of God's word, but they have no relationship. They, they just know information. They're not living in the realm and the moving of the Spirit. And so we want to do both. We want to have the knowledge of the truth so that we know what is God's word, and so when we our feeling that we know something, that we compare it to the Word of God and know that that's the Holy Spirit. But we also don't want to discount the fact that the Holy Spirit works within us to move us to do the things of God. How do we know, how do we kind of make this work? How do we live in this Spirit of God so that we aren't confused? Some things I think that you can do, that I can do, we all need to do to live and walk in the Spirit. The first thing is we have to acknowledge our need for the Holy Spirit. It's not enough just to read and study the Bible. You can read and study the Bible and misunderstand it. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us in our understanding of Scripture. This is why there are so many different views of what the Bible is really teaching. We need to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit to help us as we study. It's not just our genius. It's not just our mind. It's not just our ability to read and comprehend. We must be guided by the Holy Spirit. We must be willing to follow the Holy Spirit in his leading. 
the Holy Spirit does lead us to do things that in conjunction with the Bible, but they're not specifically stated in the Bible. And so we need to be willing to allow ourselves to be led. We must be careful not to assume that every thought is from the Holy Spirit, but we also need to allow the Holy Spirit to influence our thought and our thinking. We need to compare what we hear or what we believe, we need to compare that with Scripture. We need to test it by Scripture. If you have sort of some feeling within you that the Spirit is leading you to do something, you can always test that and see, is this opposed to Scripture? Or if you believe something that's different than someone else is saying, is it consistent with Scripture? Scripture is kind of our guide to help us uh, determine whether or not we are truly listening to the Holy Spirit or not. We must trust the Holy Spirit to work within us and to bring out that which God has given us. The Holy Spirit starts from within, he starts with our heart and our mind, and he works out so that we are serving God and serving people. The last thing I would say is don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Some of us who are very conservative and very biblical-oriented need to not be afraid of what the Holy Spirit may be leading us to do. Those who are, seem to be moved by the Holy Spirit all the time, some of those need to make sure that what they're doing is guarded and tested by the Scripture and the Word of God. We need this balance in our life. I knew a man back in Colorado who told me he had been baptized by the Spirit after, sometime after coming to Christ, and he had this special moving of the Holy Spirit in his life. And he wanted to talk to me about it. So I tried to listen. I tried to understand. Uh, I was skeptical a bit. But in part of the conversation, he said, you know, I never doubt anything that comes into my mind now that I have been baptized by the Spirit. Well, that was a very interesting thing to me because uh, I'll tell you what, there's some things that come into my mind that I know that aren't right and aren't true. Uh, that's my sinful part of me, my sin nature. So as we kept talking, I mentioned a passage of Scripture that talks about how we are all baptized into Christ. And his response to me was, the Bible never says that anywhere. Well, it does say it. It says it in Romans and it says in Galatians. And so this thought that the Bible never says this anywhere obviously was not from God. It was not a correct thought. And I just tell the story because some people get so moved by their thoughts and they think they're following the Holy Spirit, but what they're doing is not biblical and not scriptural. And that's why we need this balance. The Holy Spirit is there. He is working. And we need to be trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The greatest evidence of the Holy Spirit is when we see things change, when we see our thought patterns change, when we see our actions change, when we see people being blessed by us through some of the smallest things that we do. The Holy Spirit is working. He's bringing out the effect that he wants through us when we're trusting and leading and leaning upon the Holy Spirit. And so as we live under this realm of the new covenant and under grace, we do so in the presence and in the power of the Holy Spirit. He is our source of help and strength. He guides us. He directs our lives. He helps us to understand the things of God and the Word of God. He helps us recall what we have learned. So we must live in dependence upon the Holy Spirit 
if we're going to live the life that God has promised under the new covenant. So may God bless you as you learn to live and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have given us. You have given us life in Jesus Christ and redeemed us and saved us. But you also, by your grace, have poured out your Spirit, not only upon us, but to be within us. And I pray that each and every one of us would learn to walk in this power and the strength of the Holy Spirit, knowing that this is the resource that you have given us to be able to know you and to understand you and to live according to your word and according to your truth. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to walk in that power and to be dependent upon you and the spirit that is within us. Thank you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.